it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tales of Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin. And today we're jumping into chapter 49, what was meant to be. Uh, just a quick recap, since we don't really have to go too much detail, but uh, chapter 48 was essentially Min's perspective that had her finding Rand and pretty much taking care of him and Egwene spotting them, them having to talk about can't be with them, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then a woman who's the most beautiful woman that Min's ever seen shows up and she doesn't know who she is. He's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, this is his actual name, Luce Theron, Telamon. And, um, you know, my name's Lanfear, by the way. Take care of him until I come back for him. And of course, Min's like, ah. <laughs> and then, uh, it shifts over to, uh, Byers, uh, viewpoint i guess and by ours like oh dark friends betrayed the legion and uh lord captain bornhold and i'm gonna go tell his son what happened but i gotta go tell also pedro and nile about what i saw in the sky and takes off so that's pretty much the gist of it so the chapter 49 starts out with Rand opening his eyes and he's staring up at, you know, sunlight through some branches of a leather leaf. And he's laying on his back and he has blankets under his hands and his coat and shirt are apparently gone and something's binding his chest and his left side hurt. Notice this is the spot where he got hit with balls on staff. He turns his head and he sees men sitting there on the ground watching him. But he almost doesn't re recognize her because she's wearing skirts. Because Min doesn't wear skirts. She kind of smiles, a little uncertain about his reaction. He's like, oh, it is you, Min. Uh, how, how did you get here? Where are we? And his memory is kind of patchy. So some things he can remember from far back. Some things in the last couple of days. But it's kind of all over the place. And she's like, well, we're, we came here from Falma and we're five days east of there and you've been pretty much sleeping the entire time. He's like, Falma. And he's thinking little bits of pieces coming back to him. Matt's blowing the horn of Valir. He's like, oh, Egwene, just, did, she, did they free her? And he holds his breath, but she's like, I don't know what you mean by they, but she's free. We freed her ourselves. And he's like, we? Who's We? He's thinking in his head, like, well, at least she's free. And he's like, well, Nynaeve, Elaine, and me. And he's like, Nynaeve, Elaine, what? You were all in form? And he tries, to, he tries to sit up, but she pushes him back down and pretty much holds him there, hands on his shoulders. And his, her eyes are intent on his face. And he's like, where is she? And Min's like, gone. They all are gone, you know. Egwene, Nynaeve, Matt, Hiran, Varen. Hiran didn't want to leave you, really, but they're on their way to Tarvalin. Um, Egwene and Eve going to get their training at the tower again. Matt, whatever the I said I have to do about the dagger he's got. 
Um, the Horn of Alir is with them. And she's like, I can't even believe I actually saw it. And Ren's like, gone. Didn't even wait till I woke up. So the Redman's cheeks deep, and, and then she sits back, staring at her lap. So he raises his hands to rub them over his face, but stops looking at his palms. He's completely shocked by what he sees. There's a heron branded across his left palm that matches the one on his right. Every line clean and true, like exact replica. Then he remembers something. Once the heron to set his path, twice the heron to name him true. So he yells, no! And men's like, they're gone. Saying no is not going to change that. And he shakes his head, but he gets this feeling that this pain in his side is important, but he doesn't remember being injured, but it was important. So he starts to lift up his blankets to look, and she slaps his hands away. He's like, you can't do anything with that. It doesn't heal all the way. Varen tried healing, but she said it didn't work the way it was supposed to. And she kind of nibbles her lip because, you know, trying to look all cute for him. <laughs> and his Moraine's like saying something about Nynaeve doing something to you, or you probably wouldn't live to carry you to Varen. But Nynaeve's saying that she was too frightened to light a candle. And there's something wrong with your wound. You'll have to wait for it to heal naturally. And this seems to bother her. But Rand's like, wait, Moraine's here? When you said Varen was gone, I thought I was free of Aes Sedai again. And Moraine pops up and is like, I'm here. And she's all in blue in her classic style. And just as serene as she was in the White Tower, she stands over him and Min's frowning at her. And Rand gets this weird feeling that like she's trying to protect him from Moraine. And Rand's like, I really wish you weren't here. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you can go back to wherever you've been hiding and stay there. And Moraine's like, I wasn't hiding. I've been doing what I could here on Tumon Head and in Falma. It's little enough that I learned much. I failed to rescue two of my sisters before the Shan Shan took them on the ships with the leashed ones, but I did what I could. What you could. You sent Varen to shepherd me, but I'm no sheep, Moraine. I do recall you saying I could go where I want, and I mean to go where you are not. Moraine frowns. He's like, I didn't send Varen. She did that completely on her own. You are of interest to a lot of people. Did Fane find you, or did you find him? But the change of topic catches him off guard, and he's like, what, Fane? No. I mean, a great fine hero I make, you know, trying to rescue Egwene, and Min did it before me. Fane said he would hurt him in his field if I didn't face him, and I never even laid eyes on him. Did he go with the Shan Shan? I'm going to read this part, because it's, it's kind of important character development. If you learn nothing else in this entire chapter besides the obvious story of it, this part is pretty potential, uh, extremely important. <laughs> Moraine shook her head. I do not know. I wish I did. But it is well you did not find him. Not until you learn what he is, at least. He's a dark friend. More than that. Worse than that. But on Fane was the Dark One's creature to the depths of his soul. But I believe that in Shadar Logoth he found a f he fell afoul of Mordeth, 
who was as vile in fighting the shadow as ever the shadow itself was. Mordith tried to consume Fane's soul, to have a human body again, but found a soul that had been touched directly by the Dark One. And what resulted? What resulted was neither Paran Fane nor Mordith, but something far more evil, a blend of the two. Fane, let us call him that, is more dangerous than you can believe. You might not have survived such a meeting, and if you had, you might have been worse than turned to the shadow. I'm a little rusty on the female voices, sorry. <laughs> but uh, basically, put on Fane, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's a dark friend, he's a dark friend, everyone knows he's a dark friend, right? But he's not just a dark friend. And that's what makes him a little bit more than dangerous, because besides being taken to Sheogul and being touched directly by the Dark One in his efforts to hunt down the would-be Dragon Reborn, and Fane searching for years and years and years in all these towns, and for all we know, he's not the only one who was touched, because obviously the Dark One has dark friends everywhere looking for people at all places but the one thing we don't know is that if there were more of them like exactly like him directly touched by the dark one i would bet that the dark one would have to do one of two things one he could have known exactly the the location area like the general provincial territory um, range of towns and farms and stuff that this is supposed to, like, Rand's supposed to be, assuming that the Black Aja or anybody else potentially um, narrowed down their search as well. Or, and what I should say before I say or, and uh, specifically touched Fane and had him go to this region or number two he didn't know and then called several dark friends to him at sheol gold touched each of them directly and then on top of that um they all kind of did their own thing in each of their own villages their own territories whatever position they had did their searching but the only one that made any actual headway was fane because he was in the right area but because he was touched by the dark one when he came into shadar logoth to hunt down rand and company mordith who was basically humankind's version of the dark one's evil just against the dark one um it's possible that because of this this connection with the dark one that when mordith tries to basically take over a body and be able or be free to leave shadar logoth in that process it was interrupted by the Dark One's touch, which is a very powerful touch, but 
Mordith's evil is also very powerful. Uh, maybe not quite as strong as, you know, the Dark One. Otherwise, you just fling Mordith directly at the Dark One. But um, that could also make a worse evil that you don't want to deal with. But you never know. Now, there's been some contention about Shadar Logoth because the city was basically left mostly intact. There is some rubble here and there, which could be erosion and aging. It could have been from a war, but basically from what the histories of the Shadar Logoth are, and I'm pretty sure we've gone over this in the first book, is basically that when people showed up there, it was just empty and there was no sign of life. The gates were open and it was just like that. And apparently people just left it like that because people who went in didn't come out kind of thing. Um, that being said, the point of contention is why was the gates just open? Why didn't people build like a wall around the city or a fence or something to keep people out saying, you know, like if Mordeth's in this location, which some I said, I had to have known and the Aes Sedai being more or less the powerhouse of the world had to have figured out that this would be a bad idea if somebody just wandered in there and considering it's just in a big patch of nowhere a bandit could walk in there a farmer could walk in there a looter treasure hunter type person could walk in there and that's kind of the whole thing with um Mordeth essentially tricking Ranmat and Perrin into coming down and helping him carry treasure out to his animals, which ironically, if he had animals, why would he leave them on the outside of the city? Why did he not bring them inside to carry this stuff? So it makes it a little shorter walk. But of course they're farmer boys that have no real life experience in anything outside of farming in their little small world. So they don't know any better. They don't think about it. Which, shame on you, Perrin. You're the thinker. You should be thinking. Um, <laughs> but why was this place left completely open to let anyone walk in if all it took was one person getting caught by Mordeth to where he could just leave in a whole new body and then literally just go anywhere and recreate Shutter Logoth at so many different cities? I mean... Who's to say he had to stop at one city this time or one country? He could have gone to like Camelin and Andor, taken over Andor, gone over to Kyrian, the city and the, the country, technically, gone pretty much everywhere. Heck, could have even gone to the White Tower. Can you imagine turning all the Aes Sedai into that? Like, you could have gone place to place to place offering his uh, words of wisdom, quote unquote to everyone and advising them to do things and then pretty much they would reduce themselves back into Shader Logoth. So why they just left it open, I don't know. But now that he's technically out, because he's trying to consume a soul, so he's not... It's strange. He hasn't completely taken over Fane, but he hasn't not taken over Fane. So... Essentially, Fane is a duality of souls. So he's got part of him that is the Dark One and part of him that is Mordeth. And they're probably more or less combating each other 
to create a new version, which is Fane. So Fane basically took the both have souls and kind of merged them together per se, probably while they're still apart, but you could argue that they're apart and he uses both sides and that's how he can control because he can use the dark ones touch to control merge all and stuff like that and he can use uh Mordeth's side to sweet talk people and blah 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 which is basically how he poisons people um verbally not literally um but his combination of these two formulates into fane as himself more or less kind of erasing the before dark friend part or the whimpering guy. Um, and now kind of controls his own band of followers. And that's how he could get around and whatnot. Or you could say he literally blended like Mordith and the dark ones touch of his soul merged together and just made like a blended version. And that blended version is what created Fane. Um, let me know what you guys think it could be it's like a theory because there's no like specific details um this just mentions that they're trying to consume it or whatever um but the result doesn't necessarily i mean it says a blend of the two but the blend could be them two individually and then just feeding into the personality or persona of fane and how he comes out or it could be literally the souls the soul of mortith and the soul that the dark one touched merge together to make another one so let me know what you guys think um just comment on twitter or whatever <laughs> it'd be fun to hear or just email me directly I'll, I'll get to all that stuff later on but i'd love to hear what you guys think about that one um but basically because of this merging bane becomes hyper dangerous he was dangerous as one of the Dark One's lackeys to some extent because he knew things and he could always find them. But from the other side of things, Mordeth could have shortened this journey quite a bit if he had gotten his hands on Rand. And Rand's already had an encounter with Mordeth once and he did not like it, so who knows what could have happened. And that's kind of Moraine's point is we don't know. And if Mordeth had gotten a hold of Rand, he could have potentially quite possibly turn to the shadow or I should say worse than the shadow. But then, you know, Rand's like, well, if, if fans lie, then he didn't go with the Shanshan. I have to, you know, but he stops when Moraine pulls out his hair and Mark sword from beneath her cloak, but the blade ends abruptly a foot from the hill as it pretty much have been melted. And his memory comes crashing back, and he's like, whoa, I killed him. I, f I finally killed him this time. <laughs> Moraine's like, puts it down the sword, and is like, ah. Uh. Dark One's not so easily slain, and the mere fact that he appeared in the sky above Falma is more troubling. He shouldn't be able to do that if he was bound as we believe. And if he's not, then why hasn't he destroyed us ever? Like, destroyed everyone. And Min's kind of uneasy about this. And Rand's like, what, in the sky? And Moraine's like, yeah, both of you. The battle took place across the sky in full view of every soul in Falma and perhaps in other towns on Toman Head as well if half what I hear is to be believed. Min's like, yeah, we all saw it. And she puts a hand over one of Rand's hands to comfort him. 
And Moraine reaches under the, her cloak again and comes out with a rolled parchment. And it's a large sheet, such as, you know, street artist and Falma used. You get the chalks a little smudged when she unfurls it, but essentially this is a crystal clear picture of a man whose face is solid flame, fought with a staff against another, with a sword among the clouds uh, where lightning danced, and behind them rippled the dragon banner, and Rand's face is pretty clearly Rand. And he's like, how many people have seen that? Tear it up, burn it, get rid of it. And she's like, well, it wouldn't do any good. And she, you know, just rolls back, lets it roll back up. And he's like, I bought that two days gone in a village we passed through. There are hundreds, if not thousands of them. And the tale is being told everywhere of how the dragon battled the dark one in the skies above Falma. And Rand looks at men and she, you know, nods kind of reluctantly and squeezes his hand. And she's kind of frightened, but she doesn't flinch away. And Rand's thinking, like, maybe Egwene left because of this. You know, she was right to leave. Maureen continues with, you know, the pattern weaves itself around you even more tightly. And you need me now more than ever. And he's like, I don't need you. I don't even want you. I won't have anything to do with this. And he remembers being called Luce Theron, not only by Baalzaman, but by Arthur Hawkwing. He's like, I'm not going to. Like, the dragon's supposed to break the world, and I'm tear everything apart, and I'm not going to be the dragon. And Moraine's like, well, you are what you are. You're already stirring the world. The Black Aja has revealed itself for the first time in 2,000 years. Arad Daman and Terabon were on the brink of war, and it would be worse than the news Falma reaches them. You know, Kyrian's in civil war. Now, a side note. I have a point of contention with this, and I don't know if this was just an error originally. But if you've ever read the prequel, New Spring, what she says right here kind of conflicts with that. And I think that's on Robert Jordan because it doesn't make sense if you've read um, New Spring. So if you've read New Spring, it won't make much sense or it'd be more confusing or whatever. So. She states, the Black Aja has revealed itself for the first time in 2,000 years. That's not a true statement if you've read New Spring. I'm not going to spoil New Spring or any characters or who they are or whatever, but essentially, tuck this away for later if you plan on reading New Spring. I highly recommend it. It doesn't, it's not a very, it's not a very big book comparative to like one of these regular books, but it. I found it enjoying to learn a bit more of the lore and the history of the world and how things came to be in this, the rest of the series. It's not integral. Like you could read the whole series and never read it and it wouldn't like change much, but it's, it's an interesting extra novel story about the path of some characters and get here. Um, but either way, just like Kyrian is in civil war. He's like, I didn't do anything in Kyrian. You can't blame that on me. And, she points it out, but I'm going to elaborate as soon as I finish her part. It's like, don't not, not doing anything was always a ploy in the great game, especially as they play it now. You were a spark, and Kyrian exploded like an Illuminator's fireworks. I think that's both pun intended and literally. Um, it's like, what do you think will happen when Word of Falma reaches Arad Daman and Terabon? They have always been men willing to proclaim any man who called himself Dragon, but they have never before had such signs as this. There is more. And she tosses a, a, a pouch on his chest. Now, before I go into that, I, I want to point out the, the Kyrian thing. I didn't do anything in Kyrian. He literally shifted the game of houses and caused so many things to trigger and fall. 
Galdrian's death is literally Rand's fault. <laughs> and if you haven't figured it out already about who killed Galdrian, let's just say Rand had a big part to play in the person who killed Galdrian. Just saying. Rand did not intend it. It was never part of what he wanted to happen. He has no idea he is the cause of it. But because of Rand's actions, Galdrian is dead. Now, if you know, you know. And a lot of people do know, but if you don't know, feel free to message me or whatever, and I'll I'll fill you in the detail. But for the fun for the fun of wonder and whatnot, I want to see if anybody can figure it out. Uh, let me know if you ever figure it out, or if you figured it out on your own before I mentioned anything, or if you're still slightly confused but you think you know it is, or give me your best guess or something. It it it's fun to do this, mostly for me, but <laughs> um, it it's definitely fun. And it took me a long time to figure it out because I'm a speed reader, so retaining knowledge is very difficult. So this is a whole other world for me, um, going the slow and reading a book. Because by now, the, you know, hundreds, like 100 episodes in or whatever, I would have been long gone and done with the whole series at the, the time it takes to get through book two at this pace. It, I'm, it's a totally different new feature for me. But either way, just know that Kyrie ends Rand's fault. And Moraine kind of knows that, but I don't think she knows the details quite as detailed as she might think she is. But either way, she tosses his pouch at him and he, you know, hesitates, but opens it up. And inside there's shards of what seem to be black and white glazed pottery. And he's seen it before. And he's like, man, this is another seal of the Dark Ones prison. And Min gasps and her grip on his hand now apparently is seeking comfort, not really offering it anymore, just wanting it. And Moraine's like, yeah, two. Three of the seven are broken now, the one I had, and the two I found in High Lord's dwelling in Falma. When all seven are broken, maybe even before, the patch that man put over the hole they drilled into the prison the creator made will be torn asunder. And the Dark One will once more be able to put his hand through the hole and touch the world, and only hope for the world is the Dragon Reborn will be there to face him. So Min, you know, tries to stop Rand from throwing back the blankets, but he, you know, gently pushes her aside and says, I need to walk. So she helps him up, but with a lot of sighs and grumbles about him, you know, making his wound worse. So he discovered that his chest is wrapped around with the bandages. So Min drapes one of the blankets around his shoulders like a cloak. So he just stares down at the Heronmark blade for a second, and then at least what was left of it, and he's like, Tam's sword, my father's sword. So he reluctantly, and more than he ever had in his life, let go of the hope that he would discover Tam really was his father. And he it felt like tearing his heart out, but it didn't change the way he felt about Tam and Emmons Field was the only home he ever known. And right now he's like, Fane is the only important thing. I have one duty left in stopping him. So the two women had to support him, one on either arm down to where the campfires were already burning, not far from the road of hard-packed dirt. So, Loyal's there, reading a book. The book's titled, To Sail Beyond the Sunset. Um, Perrin's just staring into one of the fires, and the Shinarans are just making preparations of their evening meals. And Lan sits under the tree, sharpening his belt knife. Which, is funny. But the water gives Rand a careful look, then nods. 
There's something else. There's the dragon banner rippling in the wind over the middle of the campus. Somewhere they had found a proper staff to replace Perrin's sapling. And Rand's like, what is that doing out where anybody who passes by could see it? And Moraine's like, well, it's a little late for that, Rand. It's always been late, too late for you to hide. He's like, well, you don't have to put up a sign saying, here I am. I'll either find fame if someone, or I'll never find fame if someone kills me because of that banner. And he turns to Loyal and Perrin. He's like, I'm glad you stayed. I would understand if you didn't. And Loyal's like, well, why wouldn't I have stayed? You're more, you're even more Tavirin than I believed, but you're still my friend. I hope you're still my friend. And he kind of, his ears twitch as he does when he's uncertain about things. And Rand's like, I am, for as long as it's safe for you to be around me, and even after. And Ogier grin just like nearly splits his face in two. And I love this term when every time Loyal does this and he, and Robert Jordan uses this term, like splits his face in two. It's just like his face is huge already. It's much bigger than a human's. And he just gets this big grin where it literally just looks like his face gets cut in half. And Perrin's like, well, I'm staying as well. But hes it's a bit more of resignation and acceptance. He's like, well, the wheel weaves is tight in the pattern, Rand, and who'd have thought it back in Emmons Field? But then the Shinarans would gather around, and Rand's surprised when they fall to their knees. Every one of them watched him. And Uno, not swearing, surprisingly, is like, we would pledge ourselves to you. And the other ones that were kneeling also nodded. And he's like, what? Your oaths are to Ingtar and Lord Agalmar. And Ing Ingtar died well, Uno. He died so that the rest of us could escape with the horn. And he does. He leaves out some things about, you know, uh, nobody has to know that he was a dark friend and Ingtar found the light again is what his hope was. He's like, tell Agalmar that when you f return to Faldara. And Uno's like, pretty much begins partially quoting the prophecy. He was like, it is said that when the dragon was reborn, you'll break all oaths, shatter all ties. Nothing holds us now. We would give our oaths to you. And he draws his sword and lays it before him, hilt towards Rand. The rest of the Shinarans do the same. And this is the funny part here. And Misima's like, you battled the Dark One. And he's like, the, the same Masita who hates him, who looked at him as seeing, now looks at him as seeing a different version of the light. It's like, I saw you, Lord Dragon. I saw. I am your man to the death. And his eyes, dark eyes, shone with fervor. And Moraine's like, well, you have to choose, Rand. The world will be broken whether you break it or not. Tarman Gaiden will come, and that alone will tear the world apart. Will you still try to hide from who you are, what you are, and leave the world for, to face the last battle undefended? You have to choose. And they're all watching him and waiting. Death is lighter than a feather duty heavier than a mountain and he makes his decision and that's the end of the chapter it's a pretty short chapter although i think i padded it a little bit with the whole fane thing but it's a pretty short chapter um we learned a couple good things you know about the seals we learned things about fane uh we learned things about pretty much rand and his escapade in Falma. Um, and we also learned that, you know, Perrin's now tied a bit tighter to him than his original intention was. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much the Shinarans are now bound to Rand and Shinarans isn't the ones traveling with him, like all 20 of them. 
um, not the, uh, the entire nation, at least. It hasn't happened yet. Um, who knows? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But, yeah, it's, it's a bit short. Hopefully you guys found it entertaining to at least some extent. Um... Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully all went well with it for you guys. I'm really, really hoping everything's going good with this whole series for you guys, because it's getting closer and closer and closer to ending, and I don't want to be, uh, completely messed up. So, uh, oh, I guess that's it for this particular episode slash chapter. Um, if you guys want to leave a comment or reach out and tell me what you've been thinking about everything, feel free to hit me up through Gmail, which is talesofredarm at gmail.com. Um, on Facebook, just Tales of Red Arm, or on Twitter, at Tales of Red Arm. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys, uh, whatever you guys want to say, whether it's the hate mail or whether it's some supportive encouragement or something, words of encouragement, um, anything always counts. But I also like hearing you guys' theories. And um, if you guys have something that you thought you found through the, the series so far, and if you think it'd be fun to add, I can add that in another episode. But thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Uh, we'll definitely be doing uh, the next episode, which is going to be a very, very short one. But it'll at least give us some uh, last final words, I should say, of what goes on before we jump into book three. And I'm looking forward to it. So thanks, everybody, for hanging out again. And we'll see you next time. Until then. We drink all night and dance all day And on the girls we'll spend our pay And when we're done then we'll await To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall And snuggle the girls be they short or tall And follow young Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall And snuggle the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack and the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hog the mags it could be worse And ride away with the dark ones first To dance with Jack and the Shadows yeah. 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 Yeah.